0: I appreciate Kirk and the band uh, singing about some of these songs that we're going to, some songs that uh, relate to what we're going to be uh, discussing and thinking about tonight. Uh, I, I would, I would, uh, I don't even have to guess. This morning when people came into church and maybe you who came in tonight, there's some people in here who are uh, discouraged and depressed. There's some people who came in tonight who are fearful. There's some people who came in tonight who uh, lack discernment. They're wondering how they can decide about things. And uh, that's an oftentimes thing that happens to us. But if it stays with us for too long, we're missing something that the Bible speaks very clearly about. If you wake up tomorrow morning and uh, you think that uh, because you came to church today and uh, you heard some sermons and you uh, know the Bible and you, you know, you whatever... If you think that's going to be strength enough to get through what you're about to face, then you don't have any idea of the life that you're living. We are living in warfare. The Bible speaks about this often. And you know, there's a school of thought of Christian people who believe that you sort of let go and let God. You come to the point in your life where you surrender everything to the Lord and then he just sort of takes care of everything. But it goes against everything in Scripture. Abraham had to fight for Lot. Moses had to fight in the wilderness. The children of Israel were given the promised land, but they had to fight for it and drive out the enemies that they had. Paul often speaks about fighting. He said at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. What do you think he was talking about? You think he was just using that as a metaphor? Could could we possibly think that that was just sort of a metaphor that Paul was just exaggerating his life? Paul said at one point in his life, I wanted to come to you, but Satan prevented me. He said, I had this thorn in my flesh, this messenger of Satan that makes me weak in my life. And God said, I'm going to give you the strength to deal with that, but it's going to be there. It's going to be warfare for you. And if we think that we're living a Christian life and there's some way that we can come to a spiritual point in our lives that we don't have an adversary that seeks to destroy us, an adversary that seeks to overcome us, an adversary that goes against everything that God stands for and every person that God has redeemed, then we haven't really read our Bible and we haven't really trusted in what the gospel says and what the gospel is. I'm always reminded of this in the book of Revelation. It's an interesting passage of Scripture there, speaking about this great warfare that we're in. Let me let me just read that for you, and then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter six. You don't have to turn to the, the book of Revelation 12, but I, I just want to read it for us tonight. There was a war in heaven, the writer says in verse seven of chapter 12, and there was a war in heaven. Michael, Michael is the uh, angel that always. Michael is the angel of warfare. You remember Daniel called upon God and Michael came to him and said, I've been fighting over in Persia. Michael is the angel of warfare. Michael and his angels were waging war with the dragon. That's the devil. And the dragon and his angels wage war. And they were not strong enough and there was no longer a place for them in heaven. So at one time there was a place at the table in the heavenly councils, but there's a war going on now. And he said, and the great dragon was thrown down, and the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and the angels were thrown down there with him. Well, he's on earth, and guess who else lives on earth? You and me. All right? Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down he who accuses them before God day and night. And they overcame him. That sounds like a war. That sounds like a fight. They overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when they faced death. Jesus talked about binding things in heaven and earth. He talked about the gates of hell not prevailing against us. He talked about how, how we go in and we seek to destroy the works of the devil. John writes in John chapter 1 John 4 that Jesus appeared that he might destroy the works of the devil. He appeared to forgive us of our sins, but that wasn't his only job. He came here to destroy the works of the devil. And we're told to resist the devil so he'll flee from us. Not to succumb to the discouragement. Not to dis- succumb to the lies that he tells You know those lies. You're never going to be any good. You'll never get over this sin. You'll never get over this crisis in your life. You'll never get married. You'll never get married again. This church will never grow. These people will never change. Your children will be gone forever. And we listen to that and we're discouraged and we're burdened down. And the Bible calls us to resist that and to fight that. And to suit up in the armor of God and stand firm and then go toward the victory that is ours. We're to stand firm against those things. It's amazing how the Bible speaks of that and how we're taught to to stand firm. We're to submit to God. The writer of James in James chapter 4, he said, submit to God. He said, when pride comes to your life, that's the devil inciting pride in your life. And resist the devil. Resist the pride that comes in your life that says, I'm better than somebody else. I've done more. I'm more important. That kind of pride destroys and God stands against it. But he says, submit to God and resist the devil. It's not let go and let God. There's a work to be done in our lives. And that work is an active, ongoing battle and fight. We don't fight in our own strength, that's for sure. But there is a battle going on. This battle is on earth. It's on our lives right now. Jesus talked about binding the strong man. Do you remember that when he said that in, the, I believe it's in, the, in the, maybe the 11th or 12th chapter of, uh, of Luke, they accused him of having a, a demon. And uh, he said, well, listen, if I drive out demons, uh, you know, buy a demon, that doesn't make any sense. He said, you got to bind the strong man in his house. He said, you know, if you don't bind the strong man, that he's just going to, he's going to remain strong. And he said, he watches things. He's, he's bound people up. And he said, it takes somebody stronger to come in and run him out. He's talking about himself as he was casting out a demon. Luke writes in chapter 11, and he was mute. And the demon had gone out. The mute man spoke and the crowds were amazed. But some said he cast demons out by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Others to test him were demanding a sign from heaven, but he knew their thoughts. Here's what Jesus said. Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a house divided against itself falls. Satan is also divided against himself. If Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub, and if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? So they will be your judges. Listen to this. I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his house, his own house, his possessions are undisturbed. You can't come against him. He's too strong. But when someone stronger than he attacks and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on which he had relied and distributes his plunder. He who is against me is for me. Is for me. He who is against me is against me. You know what he's saying there? He said, I've come to do that. Satan is bound this world. He's the God of the world. He's the lion that's roaring, seeking to devour us. But we're not without resources. We've been studying this out at the gathering, and I, I want to just sort of say what I said this morning. If somebody was driving through your neighborhood or my neighborhood, and they determined that they were going to come to your house and do you harm, and do your family harm, your children maybe, take what's yours or maybe take your life or something like that what what do you think you would do well I tell you one thing you wouldn't do you you wouldn't go to the door and say you wouldn't try to neutralize them by just saying look can we just talk about this a little bit let's talk about this let me see if I can talk you out of doing something bad here let's just call this a draw I tell you what you do you go get in your car or whatever else and we'll go back to sleep and everything's gonna be out. No, no. When somebody comes against you like that, you wage war. You use every weapon you have, you call 911, the alarm's been set, you do whatever. You you defend till you win. And in life, we have to defend and stand our ground until we win. Why? Because we can. And so when the oppression comes, and it will come. When the ambush is there, and it always comes, we are not without resources. Turn to the book of Ephesians, if you will, and let's just spend a little time there. I thought, not, I thought about maybe not doing that, but I, I'm, I'm going to spend a little time with us here. I think it's important. In Ephesians chapter 6, we are told to stand firm in the strength of the Lord. But I want you to see what we have already to defend ourselves, and I, see, I want you to see what we have to pick up not only to defend ourselves, but take the fight to the enemy. When the gates of hell shall not be prevailed, that means something's going on. There's a fight going on. Listen, if somebody comes in your house, there's some things you already have. You've got an alarm system. Maybe you've locked the door. You've got a phone to call 911. Maybe you can flee or something like that, or you have a weapon that you can use. Somebody comes at you. you'll do everything. You'll fight until you win. You will not let people take the life of yours and yours that you love. You won't do it. And I'm telling you, we need to fight to win because we can. Notice what Paul writes. He says, be strong in the Lord, In verse 10, Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes or the methods or the ways of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, powers, world forces of this darkness, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Take up the full armor of God. So you'll be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm, stand firm. Well, the one thing you don't do is go into a spiritual crisis with no weapons. And I'm afraid that sometimes believers know about these weapons but they keep them on the wall like wall art. You know, the sword is up here and the shield and there's the helmet, you know, and whatever else. All that's available to us, but I'm not going to use it. I'm just going to face today. And I think I can get by. I I believe I'll be all right. If nothing bad happens, then I've won. Well, the Lord says you're going to be ambushed. If you're going to be ambushed, you ought to know that. If you're going to be ambushed, you ought to be in armor. If If you're going to be ambushed, you shouldn't just roll over. When the oppression comes or the lie comes or the suffering comes or the persecution comes, we don't just roll over. There's something to this that he says. Now, I want you to notice there's some things that you already have. You don't have to go looking for them. They're already there. I'm telling you, folks, if we don't suit up and if we don't teach our children to do this and especially our young people, they're going to be lost in the discouragement that's over flooding this country right now. These young people are committing suicide because they don't know about spiritual warfare. They don't know who they are. They can't find their identity and we can't teach them because we don't know anything about the war. And they just drift off into oblivion. And we say, well, we raised them. We, you know, and if we train up a child, where well, you go, they never depart. You know, they won't depart from it. It doesn't do any good. We're at war. We need to fight for ourselves and fight for our families and fight for our children and fight for this nation. Here's what you already have. Here's what we already have as believers. And I'll say this to you. If you're a pretend believer tonight, you have nothing. You're just going to be overpowered. But notice what we already have. He says, stand firm, therefore, and notice this. This is what you would call a participle. It, it, it modifies standing up. These participles, There are three, you already have them. Having girded your loins with truth, That's an attitude, really. That's not the truth. He comes to that in the sword of the spirit. That's this attitude of sincerity of heart that says, I know there's a battle and I know I have the resources and God's with me in this, but I'm ready to go and fight. I'm ready to resist the devil. I'm ready to rebuke him. I'm ready to fight for my children. I'll do whatever it takes to win this skirmish. He can't ultimately win. Jesus did that for us. So we have this sincerity of heart. Notice what else he says. And put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. Do you remember Job's experience? Job's experience was excruciating. Satan comes before the Lord and he basically in dialogue says, what are you up to? Job's one of the oldest books in the Bible. And he said, well, I've been going around the earth. And he said, have you put your heart on Job? You to, have, you, have, you, have you tested Job? He's a good man. He's a righteous man. He doesn't, he, he, he's righteous, he, he fears the Lord, he turns away from evil. And Satan said, well, that's just because you bless him. He said, all right, I won't bless him. So J- he took, Satan took everything away from Job by God's permission. Job's wife is upset with that. He's upset with it. He said, I, I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to curse God. I'm not going to give up in this battle. I'm not going to be any different from the way I am right now Satan comes back and he takes his health curse God and die he, he said no I'm not going to do it. if he slays me if he kills me I'm not losing my integrity you know what that's saying you cannot defeat a righteous man you and I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ and should never be defeated you can't defeat righteousness there's no way evil can defeat righteousness it's so much greater in power I'll prove it in a moment and then we have something else we have this we have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel the gospel of peace we have peace with God therefore being justified by faith being made righteous by faith be, having received the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ we have peace oh the, uh, the battle may be a torment It may be tough. It may deplete us of all our energy and strength. We may question everything that's good about God. But in the end, peace reigns. And as we take blow after blow and give blow after blow, we have the peace that we're going to be victorious. You already have that. You don't need anybody to preach you the gospel. You don't need the peace of God. It's already there. Paul said, when you pray, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in the midst of the fray. We have the peace of God. We have the righteousness of God. We have so many things going for us. We have the truth and sincerity to believe that God is our God, that no weapon formed against us can prosper, as the prophet Isaiah says. And so we enter the conflict. And when it comes, guess guess what we do? We take up the shield of faith with which, he says, you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, in those movies, the Knights of the Round Table, King Arthur, they shoot the arrows and everybody gets behind the shields. They're up together. When the arrows fall, they shoot and shoot. And when they run out of arrows, they take the fight to them. That's what he's talking about here. Let Satan, it's nothing he can fire at you. That faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of God won't extinguish every lie will be taken captive every moment of suffering will be for God's glory every day will be a day of victorious battle I'm telling you we have an enemy who's relentless because he doesn't have anywhere else to go but hell and he says if you take up the shield of faith and do what God says No matter what he throws at you, those fiery darts will be extinguished. But that's not all we have, he says, and take the helmet of salvation. The battle's in the mind. It's almost like Paul's thinking about that helmet that would protect somebody from a dashing blow of a sword or something like that, a spear perhaps. And he says, when you take that up, because it's mostly in the mind, it's no doubt that Satan can rack our bodies and whatever he did to Paul so he could do it to you and me. And sometimes he does. By God's permission, I don't understand it. Job didn't understand it. But how many things go on in our minds? I cannot control what goes on in my mind. But I can defeat the lies. With the power of God and the truth that I know, you can can defeat it. And when he comes and says you're no good, you can say, you know what? The Bible says I'm chosen. The Bible says that he's the living stone and I'm a living stone. The Bible says that I'm precious in His sight. What does the Bible say about you, enemy? What does the Bible say about you? It says you're going to hell. It says that I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, and nothing in this world and nothing in the next world can stand against that, not the blood of Jesus. They overcame Him by the the blood of Jesus and the word of their testimony. That's the gospel that saves us. And then He says you take up this sword, this offensive weapon, which is the word of God and you fight the devil and those things that come into our thoughts with the truth of the word of God. And the more we know the word of God and live in the word of God and live by the word of God and live out our righteousness. Let me tell you something about righteousness that's important. All the righteousness that you ever going to need has been given to you in Jesus Christ. Now we might not have lived up to that. Not, we we might not have lived in our conduct to pure righteousness, but it's all there. It's all there, right with God, pleasing unto him, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's all there. He can't give you any more Jesus than he gave you when you were saved. It's so exciting. He says, take that word of God, that sword of the Spirit, and go after it. Then he says something that we often forget, pray. He says, you pray. Notice what he says in verse 18. Pray with prayer and petition at all times in the Spirit, With this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and pray for all the saints. You may be having one of those great days, but do you know somebody that's not? Go to war for them in prayer. Suit up and go to war for them. This righteousness of God. Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 11 for a moment. Let Let me just remind us about the power of righteousness the power of righteousness. Righteousness cleanses us. It's a a mark of our salvation. It's a gift that we receive from Jesus Christ. But so what? Is it just a condition? No, no, it's much more than condition. It's an active, alive force that does something in this world. It's already in us. It's for us to express in conduct and life and attitude. He, He says, for instance, in verse three of Proverbs 11, The integrity of the upright, the righteous, will guide them. But the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. You need guidance in your life? Well, it doesn't come by reading a book. It comes from the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. He gives us the ability to discern things. Should I do this? Should I not do this? He gives us the wisdom to understand things. Sometimes that wisdom is intuition. I just don't, I sense this isn't right. That's what righteousness does. The righteousness of God allows us to be in his presence as his children, to claim everything that he has for our lives. It guides us. Notice what it says. It delivers us. Verse 4, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but the righteousness delivers from death. Delivers us Oh. You get in a bind and you say, I can't get out of this. I'm in a hole here. My sins are great and I I can't get away from this. And we come through repentance and faith. And the Bible says he's faithful and righteous, just. He's faithful and righteous to cleanse us of our sins, to deliver us from when we're in a corner. Righteousness is the active force that when we apply to our minds and our hearts and our lives and our wills, Begins to be an overcoming force. What God has given us is more than salvation. He's given us the power and righteousness to live and to fight the enemy at every turn. He doesn't stop there. Notice what it says in verse 10. It has impact and influence. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there's a joyful shouting. By the blessing of the upright, the righteous, the city is exalted. We think we have to go vote for somebody and get the right candidate. Do you understand that the righteousness that you have in your life tonight is powerful enough to change this city? If we live it out and go from victory to victory like we sang, that that righteousness is an active power that will influence a whole city. When it goes well with the righteous, everybody rejoices. When the wicked perish, everybody is joyful also. It's absolutely amazing, isn't it? Watch this. This is important. Your righteousness counts for your legacy. It counts for something in your children. It counts for your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and the great-great-grandchildren you'll never see. Some of you are too young to have grandchildren right now, but I'm telling you, this is what righteousness will do. Will you notice in verse 21? Assuredly the evil man will not go unpunished, but the descendants of the righteous will be delivered. Just like the sins are punished in the third and the fourth and the fifth generation, so righteousness is passed down, the active force of righteousness to our children as they see it expressed in our lives, expressed in our attitudes, as they see us go through the hard times, claiming with the weapons that we have and the righteousness that Jesus has given us, the strength to fight financial pressure, the strength to fight, overcome sexual temptation, the strength to fight a culture that seems to be against us. It's always been against us. It's the world. But the righteousness of God protects our children and leaves a legacy behind. I thought about it today. My grandfather and grandmother were longtime time Baptists. And their grandfather was there when it all started, this whole Baptist stuff we think about. My daddy came along in that vein. I stand in it. My children stand in it. My grandchildren stand in it. Isn't that what we're fighting for? Well, I'm not fighting for America. I'm fighting for the kingdom of God. I'm fighting for the glory of Jehovah God. I'm fighting that my children and my grandchildren and the great-grandchildren that I may never see will at least be influenced by the righteousness. They can turn any way they want to turn, but they can't blame the influence of righteousness. It's to be lived out. It's to be claimed. It's to be used in this fight. Those fiery darts come against you. You're no good. Eh, That's not what righteousness says. You're a hypocrite. That's not what righteousness says. You're a failure. That's not what righteousness says. Oh, devil, you can defeat everybody you want to, but you can't touch a child of God. Bring it on. We'll just fight. Somebody breaks into my house. I don't want to neutralize the person. I want to win. I want to win. Somebody attacks our country. I want to win. I want it to be so bad. They don't want to come back for a while. I want to win. You're fighting for your families. You're fighting for yourself. And God says, I've given you every weapon. Nothing formed against you can prosper. Every weapon. Every weapon. It brings salvation to others. In verse 30, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. Out of your life comes living water. Jesus said, you know what? You follow me and out of your life will spring up rivers of living water. It'll come to you, but it'll come out of you and slosh all over everybody. The righteousness that we hold is the first step in evangelism. Because it's the righteousness that's pure and true. It's the righteousness that'll give you the words to say. It's the righteousness that God gives us in Christ. If I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ and you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ, then we can expect our lives to be like his. He never got in a hurry, but he was always at the right place at the right time. He didn't have to know everything beforehand. He knew what to say in the moment. He could rebuke the devil when he was tempted. He didn't have to cave in or give it consideration. Why? Because he was the righteous one. The righteousness of God. I think if we expend our energies, knowing first of all that there is a war, I don't look for it. I just assume I'm in it. I'd like to say to you, boy, I tell you what, I've come to the point, (laughs) you know, I'd be lying. I've come to the point where every time I have an attack, I I just, you know, I live above it. I go through it. I know how to do it. No, I, I don't. I think that's why the Lord said, keep praying at all times in the spirit. That's not the only weapons we have though, folks. Did you know that? So I'm praying and you're praying and we're saying, God, my child is off the beam. God, this nation, God at work, Lord, my sins follow me. And we're praying in earnest and we're we are fighting the temptation to cave in and believe that God's no good and we're no good and life is no good. But that's not all of our weaponry. You know know who you have inside of you? The Holy Spirit of God. Do you think for a moment that the Holy Spirit could be defeated? The creating force of this whole world? Do you think for a moment the Holy Spirit can be defeated? only if you don't apply it, praying in the spirit only if you don't use those weapons in the spirit if you put him up on the wall like an ornament ornament in your living room the holy spirit do you think the word of god can be defeated You think Jesus can be defeated? Well, it says in the Bible that he's always making intercession for us. It says the Holy Spirit helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray. How in the world can we be defeated? Are you defeated tonight? Are we defeated tonight? Well, that sure couldn't be God's fault. It couldn't be the righteousness that he gave us. It couldn't be the gospel that he gave us. It couldn't be the power of the Holy Spirit that fills us. It can't be any of those things. What's the problem? When I'm defeated, it's because I'm out there, little old me, you know, with my little spaghetti arms trying to fight an enemy that knows everything. Boom, first lick, and I'm down for the count. But when I meet today and I say, Lord, I know it's going to be a battle today. Give me wisdom and discernment. You know what he says? I will. Give me the power of the Holy Holy Spirit, fill me today, empower me today. Okay, I will. Give me the Word of God and the understanding in the Word of God today. Whether I have time to read it or not, I've read it before. Give me the Word of God I will. Give me peace today in the midst of the storm. I will. If I'm defeated and dragging around, can't get up out of the bed in the morning and, you know, feeling like life is hopeless, I've listened to the devil and not to the Christ who died for my sins, was resurrected to give me life, gave me the Holy Spirit of power and all the weapons I need to live in victory. You may have come in tonight in a mess, but you don't have to leave tonight that way. Right now, just claim what's yours. Suit up, stand firm, and it'll be all right. I'll tell one story and then we're through. When I was a youth director at my home church in Appomattox, a girl called me one day who was in our group and she said, I I need for you to pray with me and to pray for me. I said, well, what was the problem? She said, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm messed up in my mind. Temptation is running wild. She said, I've got, I've got sexual temptation I've never had before. I don't know what to do with this. I, I'm really feeling oppressed. Well, I didn't know any better. I said, well, sure, we'll pray. You know, 21 years old. Sure, we'll pray. No problem. Call my pastor. He said, sure, we'll meet. We? So we met that night at church, and we begin to pray. And then it began to be obvious that this wasn't just an ordinary prayer meeting. It was obvious that the devil had this gal. She had succumbed to some things, some temptations. And after she confessed them, I'm telling you, the war was on. And we were praying and praying and praying. And as we prayed, I, I never will forget this. I had thoughts of, well, you know, this is crazy. What would people think? Well, this really isn't the devil. This, this is just psychological. The, the, we, we probably qu- should quit doing this, but I pray over it. And my pastor later admitted the same thing. We were in warfare over this gal's life. She was down, depressed, defeated. We were praying, we were praying. She wasn't saying anything. Praying, praying, praying. And all of a sudden it just turned the room turned and I don't know why it happened except it was the presence of God Almighty but we began to rebuke the devil and just say oh no oh no no, no. you can't have her in fact you can't even be here you got to get out of here not shouting not you know just saying the truth that's what the Bible says Jesus never had to shout at anybody he so we just said you have to leave There would be resistance as we would pray. We'd say, by the blood of Jesus Christ, this child is protected. She would convulse and go, all kind of stuff going on, you know. We just kept praying, kept praying, you got to leave. There was a test going on. And then you know what happened? You ever heard the term righteous indignation? I'd heard that all my life. I had no idea what that meant, but all of a sudden it welled up in both of us, my pastor and me. There was righteous indignation. And when righteous indignation comes forward, Nothing can stand in its path. And after a while, she said, it's gone. What do you mean it's gone? He's gone. There's nothing that can overcome you that righteousness can't break. And righteous indignation is the fist of God to destroy the devil? If you'll resist him, he'll run. That woman became a street evangelist, and for years she lives in Missouri. For years she was a street evangelist. No telling how many people she's won to the Lord. Was it worth it? Was it just in our imagination? Not if you ask her. Not if you ask me. Well, you can't ask my pastor because he's in glory right now, but. We know better. I've had a few victories in my life. You know, won a few ball games and, you know, won a tennis tournament or a golf match or something. Nothing compares to watching the devil flee. Pray for your kids. Fight a fight. Fight for them. Take the armor. Stand firm in the Lord. Not on your own. Let's do it. We need it as a church. You need to pray for people who are oppressed fight for them if you'll resist with the weapons Satan will flee our Heavenly Father we come to you tonight and there's much about warfare and much about this spiritual forces business and wickedness and high places I don't understand I don't have to understand I don't have to see it to know I've experienced it and we all have for the depressed soul tonight the person who's given up the person in torment tonight for the one who sits in the devil whispers, that man's crazy, don't believe him. That's fanaticism. Oh, God. Shower us with the truth and the righteousness which comes in Jesus Christ. And we suit up to fight. Father, if we have not stood firmly in days gone by, if we've despaired about our family or our children or this world or whatever, May we return in faith to the righteousness that you've given in and through Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, take over. We'll fight with the power you give us. It's not just your battle. It's our battle because we are yours. You're our brother. You fight our battles, but we must fight yours. Oh God, help us to be mindful and strong to never give up. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.